Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast, episode number 111. 111, <laughs> baby. This is once in a lifetime right now. <laughs> yeah, so uh, today's episode is the first ever in our kind of re retooling of our yeah, yeah, episodic yeah. format yeah. here. Now tell it's me our, again. It's our MMA weekend recap. Ah, so in case you guys missed Friday's episode, I highly recommend at least right now go watch the first like five or ten minutes where we explain. Yeah, so we ex- kind of explained everything. Um, shortened version here. We're um, again in our kind of quest to become more than just a UFC centered podcast. We'd like to be MMA as a whole centered podcast. Um, our content is still been directly tailored to a UFC release schedule and you know Friday previews of UFC cards, Monday recaps of UFC cards. Now we're kind of just taking it. We're still giving you guys the recap of a lot of these fights on those UFC cards like for today, but we're also including in a more prominent uh, showcase yeah. results from PFL and then we have like a boxing one for Anderson Silva, stuff like that. Yeah. So it's not going to take away content. It's just kind of propping up some of those smaller ones that we would kind of throw in the news before PFL, Bellator, one, whatever. Now we're now they're getting their more, own shine, more prominent shine, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, we're gonna that's the way it should be. Yeah, the biggest fights across all promotions, mm-hmm. rather than previewing a five or six fight UFC specific main card. Yeah, we. I hate the idea of limitations, right? Yeah. I hate the idea of being so forced into like this box. So you know, when you're doing these previews and recaps of cards, it's great. I love digging deep into some of these fights. Yeah. On these small UFC cards, fights that people are overlooking that have these guys that aren't huge names. I love that, but. You know, a lot of times on these cards, there's some fights I just don't care to talk about. And, and if they prove us wrong, we'll talk about them on the oh, recap. Yeah, of course, so. and you'll see that today. There's yeah. fights on here that we didn't talk about. But it's just if I don't want to talk about a fight in a preview, then why should we? Just because it's on a main card for a UFC card? like eh, Right. I, I don't think that's good enough reason anymore. And it allows so. us to just learn and do even more knowledge gaining on uh, other promotions too. So it just yeah. helps us helps the content for everyone it's just it's better yep so shortened version there but uh in case you guys can't tell i got a bit of a probably the most aesthetically pleasing background i've had in our video format so far uh very much a (laughs) you look very very, professional (laughs) yeah so i'm currently in my mom's office so she's been working from home a lot so i'm i'm in her office in case you can't tell yeah this is a a southern white woman this is how a southern white woman uh (laughs) This is how she decorates. Uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of antiques behind me and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. I think I'm sitting on an antique. Oh, Don't nice. Tell her. Don't no. tell her. Um, but yeah, so it's uh, nice to be home. Uh, spotty Wi-Fi. So we're gonna hope that uh, if yeah. you guys are seeing this, then uh, that we means made it went it. well. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Dominic, how's your Father's Day going? Uh, I know you're not a daddy yet, but maybe oh. someday. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, hey, it's been a good weekend, man. Had a nice cookout today with the family. It's always nice. That's kind of the best part about being home right now as I do this grad school stuff is seeing the family more often after being away for nearly five years. So it's nice. Had a good good food. That helps a lot, too. So mm-hmm. my uh, uncle shot my dad in the ass with a BB gun tonight. <laughs> so uh, if you've got me on Snapchat, you've already seen that video. Uh, so, yeah, man, it was, it was a good weekend. And uh, I'm glad to be finishing the weekend talking fights with my uh, good buddy here. Is Big Dave's ass hanging all right? Well, he said there's probably going to be a bruise on it. I just hope I, I don't have to see it. So <laughs> It's like, all right, you can leave it there. Yeah, I, don't yeah. see it. I don't need to go any further with that one. Yeah, it was a bullseye. I don't need to see the damage. <laughs> yeah, but uh, even though this is the day after, happy Father's Day to all the pops out there watching this. I'm pretty sure our most popular segment for our audience is 28 to 34. The a lot of you guys, guys got to be daddies right now. So <laughs> yeah. uh, congratulations to all you and hope you all had a great day. Um, and a couple of future fathers right here. Or, <laughs> That's right, baby. Maybe, we got to speak uh, it into existence on here. Yeah, of course. But uh, no news for today. No actual like, you know, fight announcements, I should say. So uh, with that, we're just going to kind of hop into our recaps from across the MMA land this weekend. Dominic, what is the first headline 
on the ballot. My friend, the spider turns back the clock. Ooh. Anderson Silva gets the job done on Saturday night, defeating Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. via split decision, 77-75 times two, 75-77 on another judge's scorecard. And I'm going to tell you, I didn't get to watch it live. It was on some sort of streaming thing. But uh, seeing the highlights, the, the headline right here says it all. He turned back the clock, dipping, dodging, taunting him, pointing at the ground, telling him to come on. And uh, I'm going to be honest, man, as much as I don't like much of this boxer MMA crap that's going on, it felt good for the MMA community to get a dub here. <laughs> we finally got one. <laughs> and, and who else to do it than my GOAT, my favorite athlete in MMA history. We talked about it last Wednesday. If you haven't listened, go listen. Uh, Anderson Silva, man. I mean, I, I I had to hold back some tears last night seeing the footage. I really did. It was just so amazing to see it. And the community just hover around the, the meme from Spider-Man where they're pushing him through the train. And it's like, <laughs> careful, he's a hero. And they put Anderson's face on it. I mean, that's yeah. what it felt like last night. Yeah. Um, very happy to see this for Anderson Silva. For a guy who's you know, impact on MMA is so large. Oh, yeah. It's only going to get bigger as kind of time goes on, in my opinion. Yet his kind of, I guess for now, his end with MMA, his, you know, his swan song, his, his finale in MMA was kind of a whimper. You know, he had that yeah. fight. It was a headliner with Uriah Hall, but a fight where, you know, he got stopped. It was a loss. A lot of guys lose in their last bout, but it felt like he kind of – there wasn't a ton of – uh you know, I guess a, there wasn't a ton of um, eyes on yeah. kind of his potentially last fight. Yeah. And for a guy like him, who's such a legend of the sport, who's been a big name for the sport for years. I mean, as I've said, I'm not a guy that's been following the sport hardcore for a long time, but even back in the day, you knew, he, I knew who Anderson Silva was. I'll never forget knowing who he was for a few years, you know, as, I just, but I just saw him. I never heard him speak. Yeah. And then I heard him speak, and I said, "That voice does not match that man." Yeah. Uh, I, remember, I was so thrown off by that, but you know, that's again one of the guys that I first remember seeing a lot of in MMA, and yeah, um, it's just nice to see that. Even though this boxing bout, you know, let's be honest, it's kind of fallen in line with a lot of what's going on with boxing right now. That's yeah. We're not the biggest fans of it or the biggest. Yeah, I mean, proponent. we don't talk about it, you know, so yeah. this is the outlier. Um, but it felt really good to see him perform as well as he did and to really turn back the clock. Yeah. He was doing all the showboating out there. He was landing great strikes, going up against probably the biggest legend in Mexican uh, boxing, excuse me, son, who um, we didn't really – again, we're not boxing purists. We're not – uh, huge boxing fans or huge followers of the sport, if you will. Um, we didn't know kind of all the – there's a lot of shit out there about this guy's son. <laughs> yeah. Still a record of 60-5 and five coming in here, I think. And uh, Anderson really – honestly, the split decision does not do the performance justice. Yeah. Once again, shout out to boxing for once again trying to ruin another fight with some shoddy – yeah, if you think MMA scoring's bad, it gets a little worse in boxing. Granted, oh we don't follow it as much. It's bad. It's all a bit – the problem between the two, and this is going to be a tangent, but <laughs> it's I'll not – you know, sure, don't get me wrong. MMA has some terrible scorecards, and we've seen them very recently. And, yeah. Um, my problem, though, is that – Boxing, it always happens in the biggest fights. You know, these, yeah. there's always draws. You know, you got the Fury Wilder one. That was a draw. Uh, Canelo Triple G's first fight. That was a draw. And sure, if you watch those bouts, maybe they are. But even when I bought the damn first Triller card <laughs> that had Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr., that was a draw. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, dude, come on. Like boxing, get your shit together. Stop doing these scorecards, like or these judges. And I, it's all about these individual judges that, for some reason, they put the business in front of the individuals in the fight. And yeah, I just hate that. I hate that it feels like a lot of these decisions get made ahead of time. Like we got to make sure that we get a draw out of this because we need us. We need a second fight. Yeah, it's gonna make bigger money. 
Um, but I digress. Don't want to go too far down yeah. that rabbit hole, so I apologize for that. But yeah. it's just such a sticky point. But shout out to Anderson Silva. Oh, God. It was so great. So great. Yeah, 46 years old, by the way. Just I saying. A, I got a question for you, Dom. Hit me. Again, we said we're not huge advocates for this kind of thing. Um, even though this, this whole card was technically they were all – actual boxers or at least fighters in Anderson Silva's case, even though he's, he's boxed a couple times before, but still it kind of falls in line with the whole celebrity boxing mm-hmm. like guy legends past their prime in terms of the main event with the senior. Um, but since Anderson Silva looked as good as he did, there was a fight you mentioned in our uh, preview for the weekend that used to be talked about a lot. What do you All think about a, what do you think about a similar looking bout between Anderson Silva and Roy Jones Jr. <sighs> Listen, again, I'm not huge on all this shit. I'm the MMA guy at the end of the day. I want right. to see the best fighters in the world fight each other in MMA. But with Anderson looking so good, and he's been wanting this fight for over a decade at this point. I mean, we're talking 12, 14 years. Why not? Why not do it? I mean, right? I mean, if Roy Jones has already done one with Mike Tyson, he wants this fight just as bad as Anderson. I think they do it, and as much as I don't want to say the name, uh, Jake Paul even tweeted out last night, I would be honored to have Silva and Roy Jones Jr. on the uh, same card as him and Tyron Woodley, and that's about oh, all I'm going to say. Well, let, me correct, let me correct your quote. He said, <laughs> I'd be honored to have them on my undercard. Undercard, yeah, yeah because he's, you know. Anyway, uh, back to the, you know, I, I'm not opposed. Um, yeah. At the end of the day, if Anderson goes out and gets demolished, then I'm going to hate myself for – saying I want to see this, but if he goes out and wins again, then, yeah, damn Skippy, I want to see it happen. So I we When I asked you on Friday, I don't know if you remember, I said if he looks good, because at the time I wasn't even thinking, like, he had much of a shot to win. I didn't think he'd look like he did, that's for sure. I was just thinking, you know, what if he just looks good, right? You know, what yeah. if it's a good fight or fun fight? Like, basically what we got, but instead he doesn't win. Right. And I was like, would you want to see more of that? And you're like, well, I'm not going to – say no you know it's yeah because he he seems like he's done with mma but yeah. he's getting potentially bigger checks than he would be getting at this point in this in mma mm-hmm. to do a sport that's potentially less damaging to his body long term yeah um and you know they're they're kind of fun right it's these they're bouts that there's there's less even i'm sure these guys take them very seriously they're you know, there's, this isn't a, you know, these guys know they're not ever going to box for a world title yeah. in boxing, but they're out there to have fun. And, you know, yeah, maybe there is a little competitiveness to it, but I think it's a little more laid back than what he was doing against Uriah Hall in his last UFC bout. Because Uriah yeah. Hall is still a killer who's wanting to potentially fight for a title. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you could probably build it a little more than this past fight with Anderson because this really didn't get promoted too awful much. Yeah. But- there's a history there in terms of they've wanted this for years. This was the like crossover fight that was discussed for so long. Roy Jones has recently boxed. Anderson just gets a win. There's some hype for it too. So mm-hmm. why not? Yep. Good point. But uh, what's next? Well, Noah, for those <laughs> of you that follow the PFL, <laughs> Mr. Rory McDonald, or dare we say Rob <laughs> McDonald, man. Uh, so he's in the main event at PFL five, uh, the second fight, the last fight of their regular season before the playoffs. If you don't follow mm-hmm. the PFL, they're a very unique organization that really draws my interest. I want to be honest. Mm-hmm. And they do kind of this regular season point system. Whoever gets the most points goes into the playoffs, so on and so forth. So uh, Rory was coming off a win and he was fighting uh, Glayson T bow in the main event on Thursday night. And, Although Rory literally outlanded him by nearly 60 strikes, dominated a clear two rounds, if not three, he falls short, Noah, on the judges' scorecards and loses a split decision to Gleason Tebow, therefore hindering his points for the playoffs. That's where the issues can lie, especially in the PFL with judges scoring. What are your thoughts here? So first off, best headline we've ever we're ever going to come up with is Rob McDonald. This is great. Yes, I'm so proud of us for this. Now, <laughs> however, I hate that it comes at the expense of, of Rory. Man, of Rory, who all right, let's let me dig a little into Rory and kind of where we're at with him right now because 
Um, this is a travesty. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just gonna yeah. say it. Uh, Rory McDonald in the UFC when he was on the come up. This guy was the the protege of Mr. George St. Pierre. He yep. was looked at as the the next era. He was another Canadian born fighter, so that's why they kind of the comparison came in too. Yep. Um, he looked fantastic for a long time in the UFC. Never won the title. You know, he came very close. You had that five round, one of the best fights of all time with the, the second bout with uh, Robbie Lawler. Oh, man. But a fight that Rory was arguably winning before mm-hmm. Robbie, obviously, early in round five, stops him just with the shattered, shattered nose. Yeah. Um, so Rory signs with Bellator for a while. Uh, looked good there. Had a belt. Uh, he, mm-hmm. he had a title right there. But towards the end, it just looked like, you know, it wasn't the same guy. And even yeah. in his post-fight interviews, he would admit he had he had become a newfound uh, uh, religious man. He became a man of faith. He was a newborn Christian, I believe, and stuff like that. Became very much in his faith. And he said that uh, that was kind of a thing he was having a tug of war with, was that he had this newfound faith. But yet, because he had that, it was making him almost – it was softening him up a little yeah. bit to where – he didn't feel like he could deliver the punishment that, that he the wants Red, to. Red King used to yeah. always be known for. Um, so you saw that a lot in his performances. You know, he had a few a string there at the end of Bellator where um, it just looked a little bit like he he couldn't quite pull the trigger. He not that they were necessarily bad fights or bad performances, but when you, this is a guy who's always just either looked very technically sound. Yeah. Or he's in a complete war, and you just didn't really see either of those. You saw more reserved and not so sure of himself, Rory McDonald. So you kind of wondered if his best years were behind him. That still might be the case, but his debut in the PFL was fantastic. Looked very good. Yeah. Uh, against Curtis Melender, another UFC veteran, uh, just starched him, went sh- straight at him, went right through him. Yeah. Uh, brutal win for him there. And then he gets set up for this match with Gleason Tebow, another UFC veteran, a guy who's yep. been in the octagon with dudes like Habib Nurmagomedov. Probably people you know, think he won that him. fight. Yeah, I was about to say he probably gave Habib his toughest fight, even though yeah. you know, again, there's the whole debate about Connor technically is the only one that took a round, or Gaethje took a round too, whatever. But which regardless, <laughs> yeah, regardless, <laughs> scorecards, right? <laughs> regardless. Um, yeah, so what's funny is now we're talking. We were just talking. I just went shit on boxing scorecards. <laughs> yeah, let's Rob go back McDonald, over. damn it. Yeah, so this, this bout, was bad. Um, it was a good fight, actually. It was a really good fight. Um, Glayson T-Bow had some great takedown defense, which is um, good. And I think he overperformed here because he was a big underdog coming in. Oh, yeah. And, uh, but Rory still looked really good. Um, he was landing the harder shots. He was doing a lot of damage to Glayson. And I, I'm, I'm befuddled. You know, I, I heard a few people tell the same story. Yeah. Where the fight was over, they turned it off, went to bed, going, "Nice win for Robbie. We'll see you. You know, we'll see what's next for him in the playoffs." Yeah. And thought nothing of it, and then they heard the next morning that he lost a split decision and couldn't believe it. And that was kind of what I went through. I literally yeah. wasn't even paying attention to the scorecards. I was so sure he won. Yeah. And he lost. Crazy. So, I mean, this is like a robbery. This is the yeah. definition. We haven't seen one quite like this in a little while in MMA, really. This so, obvious. Here's the, the the thing, I guess, if we want to – because the PFL is so different, right? And I love yeah. the – I do kind of – I'm starting to become more and more on board with what they're doing. Oh, it's very unique. That's why it's I love it. It's very unique, and that's why I like it. You know, it's not – it's just not the same format, right? You got this tournament style, season style. Um so Rory has a chance here because of the format we're dealing with. He has a chance to bounce back. Yeah. You know, it doesn't he's still in the playoffs so like he's not it didn't screw him out of that. But if he would have won this fight, I believe I was I, I think I, he would have been like the number 1 seed. Yeah, well I believe if he won this fight his uh first match in the playoffs would have been a rematch with Glayson Tebow. Mm. But since he lost, now he has to fight Ray Cooper to third, who is, I mean, I'm not going to lie, a very tough opponent. He's dangerous, dude. He's dangerous. And, you know, not that Gleason Tebow isn't. He put up a good fight here. But Rory could very damn well lose that fight to Ray Cooper. And if so, you're going to have to wonder the whole time, like, 
did he kind of get screwed, you know? And not and obviously he would have had to fight Ray Cooper eventually if yeah. it, presumably. But if he got this first round matchup with Gleason Tebow again, and you would assume since it's immediate rematch, and he I thought he won so surely in this first bout, I would assume a second bout he would probably I would hope he would win in a similar fashion. Right. Um, but there's just going to be a lot of questions if Rory doesn't end up kind of avenging this loss in the way that we hope he does. What do you think about that? Do you think uh, Ray Cooper is going to be kind of coming in? Dangerous fight, man. Yeah, and I mean, do you think what's, – what's this just all mean kind of for the PFL season who's – they've already had some hiccups. Fabrice yeah, with the Verdum. Yeah. yeah. So what do you think? Yeah, um, honestly, well, I mean, I doubt this will happen, but we've seen people when there's bad – judging like this try and get it overruled i don't know if rory's going to try and go that route i wouldn't imagine yeah. so but yeah you you gotta think maybe is it going to light a fire under him they say don't leave the fight in the judge's hands all that yada 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 at the end of the day this could essentially hinder him very badly in the playoffs which in result could keep him from winning one million dollars so that's why like i mentioned off the top when there's these bad decisions like this in a format such as the PFL regular season and playoffs, you're talking someone's livelihood and careers here as if it not already isn't that way in a normal, like in the UFC or Bellator. <laughs> so for Rory, man, I hope he bounces back. I hope he comes out and just makes a statement. Cooper yeah. the third, a very tough fight though. I'll be interested to see how it plays out. I'm not sure when the playoffs will begin. I think it's in the fall sometime. So get some rest, recover, because you got a tough test ahead, Rory. But uh, I don't doubt – for a second that he can't be fighting for that $1 million at the end of the year. Yeah. Great point. Um, it, I guess it's just a wait and see, but you know that everybody already, the people that maybe uh, when you're kind of fans at MMA, you, you always have some hold back or um, we're kind of natural pessimists sometimes. Yeah. And um, I'm sure the pessimist in a lot of us right now is just going, man, Rory's going to get, is going to screw him this whole and you'd hate just, to see that, man. Yeah. And for the PFL, you hate that this is kind of clouding their otherwise really good tournaments they're putting on right now. Yeah. And, and it's Fabricio, one of their biggest fighters. Too. Yeah. Yes. Fabricio with his uh, kind of ruined debut, if you will. Yeah. You had the phantom tap. Uh, and, but luckily that did get reversed. But it doesn't right. necessarily – even though that got reversed and it should have, that doesn't overdo or overrule all the damage it caused to really – the currents. Well, and they, they, they don't get their points either. Yeah, and Fabricio know? still got knocked out. So, like, that's yeah. still going to do damage to him potentially long term. Yeah. Um, and then you got this with Rory. It's just you hate to see it kind of cloud an otherwise great string of tournaments for yeah. the PFL. But uh, I digress. Hopefully, they can. They got a big fight coming up this uh, Friday with Kayla Harrison. So, we'll uh, hopefully they'll bounce back there. Very, but, very true. Yeah, so we'll pivot here to UFC Vegas 29. Yes, sir. And we, we start main, with the main eventer, baby. Sorry, I cut you off. No, but, yeah, no. from one organization to the other, PFL 5 to UFC Vegas 29. And uh, the people's main event, <laughs> you know, it wasn't that war we thought, but it was a damn good fight. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to take away from it. The Korean Zombie defeats Dan EGV unanimous decision and earns his Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt following – uh, at UFC Vegas 29. And Noah, I'm going to be honest here, and we'll get right into this breakdown of this fight. Korean Zombie comes out with a game plan that I don't think anyone expected. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a great question because I knew going in here, and, and I know that we don't necessarily do predictions on the show anymore, but you can you can attest I, when I was asked by our friends kind of yeah. what my prediction was, I said I thought TKZ had – more weapons to win this fight. I knew his ground game was better. Not that I thought we would see it. You know, you even commented on that on Friday. I didn't think we'd see um, grappling at all. Yeah, I, you know, he's just – I knew his grappling was better, at least that's from what we've seen. Um, I thought his striking was more powerful. I thought that he was an overall better striker, better leg kicker. However – he is surging. He's white hot right now. Yeah, that counts for something. And he is—he does have a lot of movement in his striking to where uh, compare that to TKZ, who is very much kind of a plotter. You know, yeah. very much um, 
a little slower to kind of he doesn't do a ton of lateral movement. He's very much in your face, doesn't really move a ton. Um, while Ige is very much in and out, up, down, left, right. I mean, he moves a lot. And I thought that there was some sort of combination there. Plus, there was a lot of comments leading up to this fight where uh, Korean Zombie was not happy about taking a five-round fight. Yeah, I saw that. adamant about wanting a three-rounder. Uh, while Ige has been all about this fight, he wanted Zombie. He wanted five rounds. So there was just a whole combination of things that made me think Ige has the tools to win this fight. Just it felt like it, the momentum was on his side, and it was it, here. Uh, Zombie kind of shut that down with a complete performance. Yes, this yes. wasn't a war. This wasn't um, you know five rounds of both guys beating the shit out of each other. Yeah. But it was a good a, MMA fight. If you're a fan of the Korean Zombie, like so many of us are, you should be happy with this. What yeah. we got. Because long term for uh, Mr. Zombie, not a lot that of damage. Going to be a good thing for him to put together a performance like this that shows the top of the UFC that this guy can still challenge for a belt. Oh yeah, it wasn't a bad fight, solid fight, but he didn't take a ton of damage, and he put on a complete performance. He did it on the feet, he did it on the ground, mm-hmm. he even got Ige's back sometimes, maybe looking trying to threaten with some submissions. It was a complete performance. That's why I think that if I'm a Korean zombie fan like I am, I'm very happy with this. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was as well-rounded a performance as you could have. He looked good on the feet. uh, And then on the ground, shows submission attempts, grappling transitions. I mean, he did it all. And I want to go back to your five-round comment because I saw that too. My boy, Chell P. Sun and Bad Guy Incorporated was talking about it. He made a whole video about it. But you got to admit, Ige – came on the strongest in rounds four and five. So True. you got to yeah. figure, I mean, we've seen Zombie go five rounds uh, a couple times, and this was his first decision victory all the way since like 2008, which is crazy. Um, but still, to go out there, go five rounds, at the end of the day, get the victory. It shows a lot at how well-rounded he is. People, I think, forget how good he is. We're talking about the guy that has a twister submission, one of only two in UFC history. Yeah. So. Not only can he stand and bang, but he can do it all on the ground. Earns his black belt here. Shows you even more so how good he truly is as a fighter. And uh, it was just a very solid performance. And for Ige, couldn't really get it going until those fourth and fifth rounds. And even then, just wasn't enough to take out the zombie. And that's why we call him that name to begin with. So for Ige, yes, a small step back. But when you're fighting a guy like Zombie, ranked ahead of you, a legend, it doesn't really hinder him too much in his standing. I'm just curious to see how he could bounce back mentally from this. A guy that was so confident, so ready, riding that momentum. Mm-hmm. It's definitely going to be a little hit to him. I'll, I'll say that much. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know if I would, uh, I don't know if I see him uh, putting too much on this loss. You know, he, he had a tough loss last summer with Calvin Cater, Calvin, another yeah. fight where he was kind of, Going into it, looking like the guy who was being pushed, you know, had yeah, the contender series guy. Yeah. Even though he had a very close decision before that with Barboza, the UFC were really starting to buy into Ige. You know, he was getting a lot of press time, a lot of interview time, he a lot of talk about the contender series because that yeah. was coming back after this fight. Um, and then he loses, but he bounces back with an 18 second <sighs> knockout in his next performance. So I don't think this will hinder him too much. But I do think that we have to start kind of asking ourselves maybe, is has Ige really already reached his ceiling? Mm-hmm. For a guy his age who still has time to grow, but he's what, 29? 29, yep. And I like to put the sweet spot for fighters peak between like 28 and 32. Yeah. There. If you're on either side of that, you're either – uh, kind of young, still growing, developing, or you're old, you know, in quotations, old, and you're starting to slow down. Um, obviously, different There's guys. outliers. Yeah, yeah. Randy Couture, yeah. you know, Anderson Silva. You got guys that are yeah. doing it into their yeah. 40s or whatever. But point being, um, for Ige, he's, his two losses have come in decisive fashion. Not that he was out of either fight. Mm-hmm. Um, so it shows that he can kind of hang with the top heap. You know, this is a guy. If you if you want to do the um, the the degrees of separation here, he got he lost a pretty decisive fight with Calvin Cater. Yeah, 
who then lost a very decisive fight, Max a beatdown by Max Holloway, who has lost technically two bouts with the champion. Yeah. So I think it kind of places, and I know MMA math is stupid. Def- yeah, but, yeah. But in some ways, I think Ige is being placed a bit, and maybe he's already reached his ceiling, and uh, that's okay. He can still have a very fruitful career here in this top ten. But I know that's not what he wants. Right. Uh, so it'll just be interesting to see kind of what string of bouts he gets next to. Uh, will he get any favorable matchups? I could see the UFC trying to push for a rematch with Barboza uh, mm. or even a fight with Giga Chikadze, who I know yeah. is out there really looking for a bout with the guy ahead of him. Um, neither of those would I necessarily call favorable matchups. Uh, um, I think those are very close bouts. And, um, tough ones because they're both so good on the feet. And Ige, you know, who's also great on the feet, but needs some work maybe on his ground game. Yeah. Um, if you want to talk about Korean Zombie, maybe what's next for him? Um, because he has some options. And I think yeah. a lot, I think if the biggest one on the table right now, the one everybody's been talking about is, is the UFC going to be committed to rebooking the recently canceled bout between Max Holloway and Yair Rodriguez? Because yep. if they don't, if they don't, oh, do we have a fight on our hands? Pandora's box gets opened up, but oh man, this this Joe over here is gonna assume <laughs> that they keep that bout together. So I'm yes. gonna put Korean Zombie and Calvin Cater, the two guys who both have beat Danny Gay against each other. That again, could it be a violent fight? Of Ooh, course, yeah. those guys both have been in some wars. But they also carry that technique and style. Yeah. To go five rounds, tit for tat. Um, I'd be interested to see how that fight would go. And it gives either guy really like they're right there, yes. knocked on the door for a title shot. When both of them kind of have had a decisive loss in the last year, that's very important to kind of do. And uh, I would love that fight. But I think this Joe next to me might uh, feel a little differently about that Yair Max fight. So what do you think? So um, based off of some Twitter engagement, Mr. Giga Kick himself, Giga Chikadze, has said that he has been offered to replace Max Holloway on July 17th and take on Yair Rodriguez. So – if I'm Yair, I probably wouldn't take that fight. But <laughs> if he does, that would be – honestly, that's a barn burner of a fight right there. Yeah. Two amazing strikers in itself. So I'm going to go on the side of the spectrum opposite of no and say, you know what, Giga's going to get that fight against Yair. Good for him, by the way, if he does, which leaves Max available for a fight we've never seen. And Lord have mercy. <laughs> if you thought Ige and Zombie has violence written all over it, Max Holloway and Korean Zombie, my goodness, that takes the cake. Again, could always turn out to be a fight like this. Yeah. I'm not saying it wouldn't be. But this is a fight that a lot of people have wanted to see for years and years and years. Agreed. It's and, shocking uh, that it never happened because these guys have been around forever. Yeah, and they've had their rises around the same mm-hmm. times outside of Zombie's hint, uh, absence with the military service. Probably, probably the plays the biggest. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So now he's 34. Max is still 29 or 30. Uh, which is wild to me to think about for Max. But uh, that's a fan favorite fight right there, a main event written all over it for a fight night. And it's a clear number one contender fight. you got to think from a promotional standpoint, obviously if Max wins one more, he's going to probably get a title fight regardless. Mm -hmm. But if you're Zombie, the UFC wants Zombie to fight for a title in terms of promotional-wise. So any fight that he's going to get, if he wins, I think he gets a title shot regardless. But if he goes in there and can beat, a guy like Holloway, because I must add, by the way, Zombie called for Max Holloway, called him out. Not only called him out, but says he doesn't punch hard. I punch hard. I can beat Max Holloway. Oh, <laughs> boy. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I'm telling you right now, sign me up for this fight all day, every day. Obviously, I'd want to see Ayer and Max, too. You can't go wrong in this 145-pound division. That's the biggest problem here, so. Yeah. True. We'll see what happens, but, man, Zombie looked great in that main event. If you're Dan Ige, a fan favorite guy as well, newly found father, I love him. Everything about his story, keep your chin up if you're Ige as well. Now let me ask you a question, Dominic, because I would say when it comes to us with our featherweights, my favorite fighter in the featherweight division is the Korean Zombie. 
Yeah. I would say your favorite fighter in the featherweight division is Max Holloway. Hoodies right? over there in the closet. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think that's held up since even before we were doing this podcast. Oh, yeah. We talked about these two fighting and kind of gushing over it for a long time now. Yes. My question for you is Does the Korean Zombies loss, the fashion it happened to Brian Ortega, and I know this fight with Ige looked good, but does that performance still maybe. Is it sticking your head at all when it comes to terms with like, you know, we're expecting maybe him and Holloway to be this, not necessarily a, I don't know if war or if it's not a war, it's just super competitive. Yeah. Almost, does that performance with Ortega maybe make you think that it could be just as one sided as his uh, Holloway's win over Cater? You know, I mean, maybe, but then you do see this performance where TKZ kind of goes back to the roots and pulls out all the stops to get a victory. And Max is a guy that doesn't get tested much in the grappling, and when he does, his ass hardly ever gets taken down. I mean, even Volkanovski struggled to get him down. So it could be very interesting. But on the (laughs) other end, too, you look at a fight that Max just had against Cater. When you see that, you're like, dude, no one can beat this Max Holloway. That was the best fight, like one of the best performances ever. So it really just depends on which side of the spectrum you lean on. Um, I love that question because Zombie didn't really show all the tools against Ortega, and you saw what Max did to Ortega. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, well, this is a new brand of Ortega too. So yeah. there's just so many question marks. But, uh, you know, a good way to answer the questions, you put them in the octagon together maybe. Yeah, I, I will agree with you that I that it shouldn't harp it or harp anybody's, you know, yeah. maybe, I don't know if expectations or – uh, enjoyment or excitement about a potential bout between those two. But I mean, it, it does stick in my head a little bit, but I would, uh, if for any other people that are in similar boats, I would uh, hesitate to really commit to that viewpoint because when you're talking stylistically, the type of fighters, I mean, Zombie was clearly affected by Ortega's kind of ability to change levels. You know, Ortega yeah. has some of the best jujitsu you'll ever see. And he had shown a newfound uh, technique and yeah. striking. So Zombie probably wasn't expecting to be having to worry too much about Ortega striking and only worry about the level change. Yep. While with Holloway, you know that they're they're kind of imi- they're kind of mirrors of another. Not that their striking is all that similar, but they they're both kind of plotters. You know, they both uh, right. You know they they've been susceptible to leg kicks in the past because that's how Holloway lost his belt. So I'd be yeah. curious to see if Zombie could put together the right kind of performance with his leg kicks, with his potential uh, takedowns. Not that he's necessarily the best at takedowns in this division, and I know Holloway is a very hard guy to take down, but you could always catch Holloway off guard and maybe get him down once. And if you get him down once, then Holloway's gonna have to respect that the rest of the fight as a just option. So I've still very excited for a potential bout with those two. I hope we get to see it at some point. I just, I want so badly for the zombie to get a title fight, man. I just, the, the idea the absolute scenes, you know, I love Max Holloway. I love Volkanovsky. I love Ortega. All these guys, they're great fighters. The idea of the zombie with the UFC belt wrapped around his waist, something oh. about that just speaks to me. <laughs> I mean, that's just – I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. You got me going nuts right now. I, it, the future is bright for this entire division. Like I said, we I think we said this last Wednesday, this division a year from now could overtake the 155-pound division, if not even – might not even take a whole year as the most stacked division in the UFC yeah. and all of MMA. You're right. You're right. So let's get into our fight of the night. The fight of the night, Noah, was a rematch over five years in the making. Marlon Cheeto Vera – Davy Grant, Marlon Vera gets the decision nod, but my God, it didn't come easy because rounds one and two, absolute back and forth, a bloody war. Round three, Cheeto Vera put on a show, put on a clinic with his elbows in the clinch. It was disgusting. Cut Davy Grant up real bad. But man, this is our fight of the night. It earned the official fight of the night. I can't say enough about how great this fight was and had. Round three not been so decisive for Marlon Vera. I would even make it a candidate for the Joeys at the end of the year, but Vera really pulled away in round three, showed how great and well-rounded of a fighter he is, and still only 29 years old and so underrated. 
wow, that was a great way to introduce this uh, this part of the <laughs> show. Right long here. One, I, know, I like that. I like that. Uh, yeah, this rematch, as it shows in the headline there, completely delivered. And who, I mean, did anybody think otherwise? These two guys have been really hitting their stride as of late, yeah. especially, you know, Davey Grant really kind of came out of nowhere. We didn't even talk about on Friday. At least I had no idea these two had fought before. That's just a lot on my part in preparation. That episode was, yeah, we all talked. We were scattered on that a little one. Scattered on that one, but I didn't have no idea these two had fought before. So we didn't even talk about that on Friday. Like I had no idea Davey Grant had won a pretty one-sided decision. Yeah, there was and, two 30-26s. And, uh, you know, but Davey, but you see where their careers went after that. Marlon Barra really got a ton of support from the community, and he got put into some big high-profile fights, got a big win over uh, Sean O'Malley, regardless of what you think about that win. It's a win. Yeah, and, quick note, real quick, yeah. sorry. Uh, they said it on the broadcast. I just wanted to say it since that first fight, which was 2016, Davy Grant, four, five at the most, six fights. Marlon Vera, 13 fights coming into last night's rematch. Great. So, I'm glad you threw that in there. Yeah. Uh, that lead that really supports my point here because the Davy Grant kind of quietly here has risen to a sub top, top 15 level with back-to-back KOs after being a guy who was really one you had to worry about submitting you before, and now yeah. he's knocking you out. Uh, this this fight was awesome. And let me just say, we you you said about featherweight potentially overtaking lightweight as the best division in the UFC. Don't forget, this is a bantamweight fight between the number 15 guy in the division yeah. and a man who was unranked. And we got a very technically sound, yep. rag-out, all what aspects man. of MMA shown here, war. And I don't want that to be overlooked, that these are guys that one guy not even ranked, one barely hanging on to his yeah. ranking. That shows how talented this division is at 135. Yeah. And for Cheeto Vera, it's a great win. It's a win he needed. Come off of a somewhat disappointing performance in his loss to Jose Aldo. Yeah. Um, now he gets to kind of look forward again, I hope. And for Davey Grant, even though this fight got a little more one-sided towards the end, um, I still think he comes out looking pretty solid here. He looked really good in the early stages of the fight. Um, I wouldn't say – I don't know how I would have scored the bout. Um, I was thinking 29-27. Yeah, I had uh, it one-to-one into the third, and I yeah. scored round three at 10-8 for yeah. Marlon Bear. Uh, agreed. Um, I think you probably could have went 30-26. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard for me to say it without really having the stats in front of me and without watching it again. Regardless, um, Davy Grant held his own here, even if the fight got more one sided as it went. He just got he just got the elbows were the ground and pound was oh, really hurting him. To working. not even get finished is yeah. just a sign of his toughness. Um, and Marlon Barra shows again what a killer he is, and um, I loved what I was seeing from the MMA community on Twitter last night. A ton of support for yeah. Marlon Vera, uh, a guy who's really worked for it, grinded it. You like you said, thirteen bouts since twenty sixteen. That's nuts. That's a guy putting in the time, putting in the money, putting in the blood, sweat, and tears. And I'd like to see him get a little bit rewarded with a, another high profile matchup. What do you think could be next for him, though? Well, he had an awesome call out. Um, he called yes, he out did. Dominic Cruz, who was on the commentary, which is badass. They even yeah. talked after the fight. Michael Bisbing's video is hilarious. If you haven't seen it yet, <laughs> Dominic Cruz is sitting in his underwear with his suit top still on, and Marlon's got his bloody suit on talking to him. <laughs> it's really funny. But uh, Dom essentially shut it down on the air, yes, saying, I respect the call out. He wants to fight up, but so do I. So yeah. with that said, Noah. Mm-hmm. Number 12, Jimmy Rivera. After Rivera's last performance, that fight of the night contender uh, with uh, Munoz, right? Mm -hmm. Unbelievable fight there. Rivera looking to bounce back with a win. Vera looking to fight up. A huge name there. That Honestly, it wouldn't happen because they're just not the hugest of names. But I would love to see that as a five-round fight night main event. I'm, yeah, I think know, that would be an incredible fight. It would be a good test for both of their cardios for sure. I'm going to throw another name at you. Okay. And this might be a bit bold. Oh, boy. I'm thinking Cody Garbrandt. Oh, boy. 
Wow. I think Cody Garbrandt. Now, don't get me wrong. On paper, should Cody Garbrandt win that fight? You would think. But Marlon Vera has one of the toughest chins, especially in that division. And I don't know if Cody's power is going to necessarily be able to put him away. So that's going to really force Cody to put together a complete performance. Vera is the um, most underrated fighter in this division. He is. He really is. And for Cody, a guy who is still – very competitive, very much a top-level bantamweight, and I don't want that to be overlooked here. I, a guy who, however, he struggled a bit in some of his more, you know, it's, it's. I don't have to tell you guys that it's probably the most notable thing in this division yeah. is Cody Garbrandt struggles after losing the title. It's just, it is what it is. The last fight with Rob fought, even though he didn't get knocked out, he still had a pretty one-sided it loss. It was all Rob. Yeah. So because of that, people were still kind of shitting on the guy. And I, I don't like it, but I understand he's in the situation he's in. He's not um, performing necessarily. He's not looking like the guy who beat Dominic Cruz at UFC yeah. 207. Yeah. Could you ever expect him to replicate such a perfect performance? I don't know. But we're not necessarily seeing that guy. Marlon Barra, that's a guy who could bring that out of you, man. Marlon Barra has a has a, a way about him for for being. Maybe this is almost to his detriment, but he is a guy that he gets his opponents to perform better. Yeah, he like brings he out the brings best out in of him. him. Yeah, which is probably to his detriment sometimes. I mean, he's in a, a lot of close fights. Um, doesn't always come on the winning side in some of them, but he's always looking so technically proficient and just kind of a killer, you know, very much has that uh, finishing like, you know, capabilities as shown here. You know, I know he didn't get it done, but the hell those elbows were disgusting. Yeah. And um, I want to see him be rewarded. So I know he didn't, uh, it didn't pay off for him against Aldo. I'll fight with Garbrandt. Give me that for five rounds. That's sick. That's a sick fight. I love mm-hmm. that as a low-key potential. I wouldn't be shocked if something like that were to be made, honestly. Mm-hmm. We'll see if yeah. Cody goes down to 125, but, That's, yeah, yeah, I love that fight. So uh, what's next here? Well, Noah, we had a 46-year-old Anderson Silva look good. <laughs> but, damn it, we had a 40-year-old Matt, the immortal Brown, never looked so good the age of 40. A-A-O-H-I- Oh, <laughs> one punch knockout. Take it away. Yeah, uh, Matt Brown going up against Diego Lima, the uh, the brother of the guy in Bellator, the former welterweight champion. Dub By the way, Lima. the Lima brothers, they don't do too good <laughs> against Matt Brown, I was just going to say. He is the Lima killer, if yes. you will. He did both brothers, both yeah. via second-round KO. Everybody knows uh, Sakuraba back in Pride was known as the Gracie killer because he beat like two or three Gracies. Now you got the Lima killer and Matt Brown. Shout-out to our Ohio legend. Yep. This guy coming in here 40 years old, back-to-back losses. He had the decision loss to Carlos Condit in a pretty fun fight and then got TKO'd by Miguel Baeza in a fight that he looked very good in the first round in, but Baeza, you know, as good as he is, uh, was able to put Matt Brown away in the second round. We know Matt Brown is not the guy that was really on the verge of at one point getting a title shot back when Robbie Lawler and Johnny Hendricks were kind of leading the way in this post-GSP uh, welterweight division. However, still a guy that's been there, done that with the best of them. Yep. He has a lot of wear and tear on him for sure. But a guy that, you know, just because he might not be able to take a punch like he used to or um, maybe go as long as he used to, he might not be as athletic as he used to be, but you can never count out a guy that's had that much experience and it showed right here. Diego Lima was kind of, uh, much to my surprise, because I really thought Matt Brown was going to win this fight. A lot of people going in here kind of siding with the youth of Diego Lima in comparison. Um, being that younger, more athletic guy. Not that Diego Lima hasn't looked good at times, but, you know, an under 500 UFC record, and you're going up against the legend and Matt Brown. I was, in my opinion, I I wasn't too surprised. I Sure, the one-punch KO, <laughs> that's always going to be a surprising outcome. But yeah. I wasn't too surprised to see Matt Brown uh, kind of look as good as he did here, if I'm being honest, and uh, good for him. 
And I loved what he said in the aftermath when he looked mm-hmm. at the camera. He said, how's that for 40, bitch? Oh, it was sick, dude. I, I was like, it. all right, give him another fight. Ten fight contract. You have <laughs> Ten fight. Hey, and a guy we had the pleasure to meet as well. Yes, we so did. shout out to the immortal. Hey, 28 fights, the most in welterweight history. He's now tied Noah first with uh, Vitor Belfort and Derek Lewis for most KOs in UFC history with 12. So this man, although he's a very back-and-forth win-loss type guy, he's always going out there and putting on great performances. And I think there's one other guy that can bring out a really good performance from you. No, I'm going to be curious to get your thoughts on this. All right. Matt Brown, Robbie Lawler, (laughs) sign me up right now. I can't. I can't hate on it. And, tell, and you know, this is gonna it's a lot like him versus Carlos Condit. I love yep. when that fight was booked. Yep. Booked a, That's a legend fight. The kind of fights these guys should be fighting at yep. this point. And you know what? I bet they put on a hell of a show too. Yeah, they would. Robbie might still, you know, in my opinion, Robbie might still be too good at his point. He has you know, even though the last couple of times we've seen him, it hasn't shown. Mm-hmm. Um Robbie was very, very much more so than Matt Brown, a little more recently was a top level welterweight. So I would think that uh, Robbie Lawler might still be a little bit too good for Matt Brown at this point, but we don't know. You know, Robbie's been very inactive over the past couple years, and uh, Matt Brown's just kept on trucking. So, yeah, man, uh, I would love that bite. Again, we kind of don't know what's going on with Robbie. Haven't really heard much. He's kind of He's got it's really quiet when he's not fighting. He yeah, and he's training anything. at Sanford MMA too, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, which is a great camp. Whenever I, he's not fighting, you just don't hear much about him. And he's just a quiet guy in general. I do have one more question before we move on for sure. Matt Brown. Sure. A lot of people were very intrigued in calling for him to be the return fight for Nick Diaz. I personally think Nick is still too big of a name, but that would be a hell of a fight too. You know, Matt Brown is not by any means a huge name in the sport, but there comes a point in time where you've fought so many times in the UFC that even casual fans have came across him. If you're a casual fan who's watched for a decade or so, you know, that, you know, let's say in a decade, you've watched one fight a year. So that's 10 fights. Yeah. Potentially you've, the amount of times Matt Brown's fought in the UFC, you've likely seen him. You've likely seen him once and twice. So he's kind of gotten to this point where his name value is higher because people just go, I recognize that name. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah that's the guy who put on that fucking performance yeah. <laughs> against Diego Sanchez or whatever, yeah. you know. Remember that per- knockout? That's that a hell fucking- of a if I've ever seen one. <laughs> uh, so I am not against that fight. I think, you know, Nick Diaz coming back, I'm going to be curious to see does he, get do. put, does he get put kind of how Nate did and a very high-profile co-main or uh, – you know, third fight of the main yeah. card on their two title fights, or is he going to be a five round headliner on a fight night? Either way, him and Matt Brown, I I still, and again, I know we just talked about Robbie Lawler as a potential next opponent. Yeah. I still think Robbie Lawler, Nick Diaz too, is uh, the fight I probably want. But Matt Brown did a lot for himself on this night. Uh, a lot for his future prospects, I think, if, you know, as long as he wants to keep fighting. I think with yeah. a performance like that, how can you deny him? I'm curious to see how many more he's got left in him because if you are doing that to a guy like Diego Lima, you still got some good gas left in the tank. So. Yeah, and you know what? Good on him for getting this kind of matchup. Good on the UFC. I know he he took a fight with Baeza, and we knew what that was supposed to set up. Yeah. Baeza, the young, hot prospect. Matt Brown, the older, slower, you know, vet. Yeah. It was meant to be a, a, a to give Baeza a name over or a or a win over a named, a very decent yeah, prominent name in name. the division. Yeah. Um, he took the fight. He lost. I think he deserved the fight with a guy like Diego Lima, who's not really. He's yeah. the brother of Douglas Lima, so maybe that boosts his name a little bit. But he's very much just average in the grand yes. scheme of things under 500 ufc records so um you know i'm, I'm glad that the ufc kind of gave him this kind of fight because you know look what it just did and i'm glad that, it was that on the main was, card too clip was going everywhere on twitter yep. so yeah uh don't tell me that didn't boost ratings a little bit that's exactly. what i'm just gonna say so good win for him
But I think we're going to transition into the rest of the card here, Dom. Yes, sir. And, um, you know, much to kind of what we've been saying here, just because we previewed some fights on Friday doesn't mean we're really going to talk too much about them. I'll just make a note that our co-main event, Sergei Spivak, got a decision win over Alexi Olenek, and that's all we're going to talk about that fight for. Yes, so, yes, amazing. Uh, a notable thing to come from our main card that we didn't talk about on Friday was the young Korean fighter, I believe. Yeah, from South Korean. Korea. Uh, Sungwoo Choi Holy getting that shit. TKO over a veteran, a very low under the radar name in Julian Arosa, but a guy who had a ton of experience gets that TKO a minute 37 seconds around number one. A lot of people like this Wu Choi as a potential <sighs> prospect. I believe he was 28 or 29 years old. So, yeah. um, what did you see from him here? Did you really like it? Hand speed. Oh <laughs> my word. No, I'm. T- I mean, I'm telling you, I couldn't even see the punch. That's literally how fast he was. It was insane. And it was one of those fights where I picked um, Erosa. I had Erosa going into this one. I had the, kind of the underdog sleeper feel to this one. He was coming off that really good win against Nate Landwehr. I thought yeah. Julian was going to look good. It's his third stint in the UFC, way more experience, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> Sung Wu Choi came out and landed a vicious combination within like the first 20, 25 seconds. And I knew he was going to win the fight. I I am dead serious. I've never had a quick judgment where I'm like, oh, I know exactly who's winning this fight and how they're going to win the fight. <laughs> and he did it a minute 37 into round one. The hand speed, the power, the quickness. I mean, everything about this kid. Then in the post-fight interview with Michael Bisping, tries as hard as he could to do an all-English speaking uh, post-fight press conference said he's going to try hard to learn English and grow his fan base, which I thought was awesome. You know how hard that is to learn a language when it's not your home native speaking in English. It's one of like the hardest uh, languages to learn, if I remember correctly. So good for him. He looked incredible to get a win over such a prominent or not a prominent name, but a guy that's been there and done that with 34 professional fights. I mean, he was coming in with a record of 25 and nine and to just get rid of him like that. Sung Woo Choi, watch out. Yep. I uh, couldn't have said it any better. I think he did just as much in his post-fight to boost his prospects mm-hmm. that he did in the actual performance of the fight itself, and that is saying a lot. Yep. Dominic, I don't know if you know this, Sung Woo Choi's had to really claw his way back here. He started out 0-2 in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Do you know who those two losses are to? Pop quiz, I do not know the answers to, my yeah, friend. I, I don't expect you to, but – these names are going to stick out a little bit. His okay. debut was a decision loss in the UFC, mind you, to Movzar Evloev. Oh, I mean, All look, of look at this up. guy. So he loses that fight to an absolute savage who's now knocking on the door, top 10, yeah. top five, Undefeated. all that. Yeah. Uh, so after that, he goes back to the drawing board, and he's like, all right, I need a bounce back win. Gets placed with uh, undefeated at the time, Gavin Tucker. Wow. Lose that might be a rear naked choke submission. Um, so did not have an easy route here to get That's to this tough. point. Um, follow that up, though. He's now on a three-fight winning streak. So now he's over 500 in the UFC. And I really – I thought he looked great here. Do I necessarily think um, right now that maybe if he got a rematch with the Gavin Tucker or a Movzar, do I think he's going to win either of those fights right now? Let's pump the brakes. Maybe yeah. not. But – this was a step in the right direction. A very experienced veteran in Julian Arosa, and he put him away quickly, efficiently. And you're right; that hand speed is uh, oh. going to be dangerous. And th- there's something so pretty about watching a guy with hand speed for days. You know? It was crazy. And now another prospect to make this 145 pound division that much more interesting. Agreed. And uh, to kind of move on from that, still on this card though, we had a couple of big fights on the prelims that we wanted to talk about. Uh, shout out to Chaos Williams. He did get a win over Matthew Sauerberger. Yeah. It looked like he might put it away in the first round, but ultimately uh, – Matthew's tough. Matthew's tough, but uh, Chaos, you know, just a, just a step above right now uh, and wins a decision. But we're not really going to talk about that one so much as uh, Virna Jandadova, who we last saw in a losing effort but in a great fight oh, yeah. back at UFC 2. Uh, 56. Um, she went up against uh, Mackenzie Dern. Dern, and that was a great fight. 
uh, it was an awesome to Mackenzie Dern. She comes in here and gets a TKO doctor stoppage at the end of round two uh, due to her opponent, Kanako Murata, uh, I believe broke her arm. Yeah, dislocated or something. It, it was yeah. dangling. Um, this <laughs> two was weeks a, in a row. This was a great, fun fight. Yeah. Now, Virna was pretty much on, had the upper hand the entire time. Pouring it on. And she looked dangerous here. Now, I know she's looked good at pretty much every time we've seen her out there. But this was this was different. There was a a level of aggression that I just hadn't seen out of her. You know, in that Mackenzie Dern fight, she didn't look like the aggressor. Yeah. In the in the, in the octagon, here against Murata, who is to some people looked at as a bit of a prospect in her own right, was the betting favorite too. Yeah. Uh, Birna comes in here and just kind of steamrolls her. Yeah. You know, shout out to Kanako for being tough. She was in an armbar for seemingly ever in yeah. round number two. And um, never tapped out, took it to the end of the round, and it looks like she broke or dislocated her arm. Yeah. Or whatever. And so they had to stop the fight. But uh, shout out to her toughness. But Virna Janadova, reminding everyone why she is one of the top dogs. I mean, this is number 13th ranked woman in the world yeah. in this weight class right now. And here's your reminder. And what's crazy is this is two fights in a row now where she's had stand-up bouts and looked really good on the feet. She's mm -hmm. known for her jiu-jitsu. So if that's anything to go for here, I think she does have another ranked opponent likely lined up after a performance like that. We'll see what happens. But, man, shout out to Verna. What a great performance. And to get a bounce back win uh, on a pretty solid uh, prelim card with a lot of takeaways, good on her. And I'm going to introduce this last one here, the very first fight on our card. Injected into my veins. Dominic is going to be able to talk this one up. This was a great performance from Casey O'Neill. She's a newcomer, but remember that name. She submits Laura Procopio in round three, two minutes, 54 seconds, very rear naked choke, put her ass to sleep. Yes. Could have been a little more graceful getting up, <laughs> just say that. But otherwise, uh, A-plus performance. Dominic, what did you think? I'm huge on Casey O'Neill. So I think her debut, if I'm not mistaken, was February. Someone can fact check me. It was this year, and uh, – uh, the lead up going into it, they were showing just kind of her backstory and everything. I'm like, okay, I like this girl. Real gritty, got the tattoos, the tough exterior, undefeated record going into her debut, finishes the fight. I'm like, okay, this is someone to watch out for. She was one of my prelim notables back during that, if I'm not mistaken. I definitely talked about her. That might have mm -hmm. been before we started prelim notables, but I know I mentioned <laughs> right. her. And now yeah. for this to come out and submit Laura Procopio – Faced adversity in round one. I scored the first round for Lara. Uh, and then round two really showed how great of a grappler she is. O'Neal, another fighter similar to Zombie, following this fight, earns her brown belt in jiu-jitsu. And she looked great on the feet, great in the grappling department. Against someone known for her grappling. Said she didn't really implement that game plan in round one because she was overestimating Lara. But once she got a feel for her in the octagon, her coaches even said, you're better than her on the ground. And it was all Casey O'Neill in rounds two. And then, of course, round three gets the finish. I can't say enough about Casey O'Neill. Continues her undefeated record, 7-0. Uh, and She's got two KOTKOs, two submissions. Scottish-born, fighting out of Australia. So she's got the accent. She's got the grit, the tough exterior. Moving full-time to America now, training at Extreme Couture with people such as Misha Tate, Walt Harris, all those fighters. So, you got to think she's only going to keep getting better now with such a great camp. Eric Nixick, one of the best coaches in the game right now out of Extreme Couture, very high on Casey O'Neill. For God's sake, I even tweeted about her, and I don't usually tweet fighters much on fight yes, night. you, you got to really pull yes, something out did. of me there. I promise I'm not trying to simp. I'm just really <laughs> impressed, and I think she has a very high ceiling. Casey O'Neill takes the cake for me on the prelim takeaways, man. Wow. Yeah. I mean, again, I thought it was a great performance, but I could not – do what you just did right there for her. So I'm going to leave it there for Casey O'Neill, but make sure you guys keep an eye out for her, especially when we get to the end of the year. She might be on our yeah. on our uh, list of nominees for a certain award. Yeah, true. And also one more thing, only 23 years old. So now you've got prospects like her, Miranda Maverick, and Macy Barber, just to name a few, that are all under the age of 24 in the 125-pound division. It's awesome to see. 
that does speak to the long-term success yes. of that division. Yes. That's going to wrap it up here for our MMA weekend recap. Let us know your thoughts of these fights we talked about and maybe anything else going on across the MMA land. Uh, we will be back on Friday. Yep. Correct, Dom? We're not doing anything on Wednesday, right? Correct, yep. Back we're, to, we're on that schedule again. Yep. So Friday we'll be back with another preview. Got UFC on uh, UFC Vegas, excuse me, thirty. Yep. Uh, headlined by is that Gon Volkov? Gon A Volkov. I'm excited for nice. that one. Man, that fight's been that, that felt like forever ago when that one got announced. It, so. it, can I just mention one other fight? Because yeah. we're definitely going to talk about it on Friday. But I'm yeah. telling everybody now, low key sleeper. I'm telling you all a week in advance. Andre Touchy Feely versus <laughs> Daniel Pineda. I, I, Get ready. That's all. Oh, I'm yeah. saying. We're definitely talking about that <laughs> on Friday. Uh, also, be talking about. Um, uh, we'll get to talk about why my blanket PFL, PFL six because this is one of their random, random week where they decide to do a it's card on, Friday. On, yeah. on Friday. So we'll get the preview that one on our girl uh, Kayla our Harrison. Episode. Kayla Harrison's going to be back, and I believe we'll have some Bellator uh, preview to talk about as well. Yeah, Bellator two sixty one. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, let us know your thoughts again on the format. We're still taking suggestions on any ways to improve it or if there's anything you like about it so we know to kind of yep. double down. Uh, but appreciate the support. Until then, though, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. On Twitter, on Instagram, at Diesley14. Find the podcast, more importantly, at B-A-J underscore. Don't forget the underscore. MMA podcast. And as for me, if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at NTBaker underscore, there is a link to the link tree there. You can find all the platforms that we're on, including and not limited to Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. The YouTube channel's on there. Uh, our social media for the Below Average Joe's, so the Instagram and Twitter's on there. And there's a couple links for our anchor page where you can leave us a voice message, or if you want to donate to the podcast, you can do so. Uh, really utilize the voice message link. We'd still like to use that a little bit more in our show. We've been mm -hmm. using it on our uh, Reddit roundtables that we've done a few of on Wednesdays. So um, it'd be nice if you guys want to do send in questions. We'll put those in those episodes, um, but that would be great. Or if you just want to send in and just tell us hi or call us a piece of shit, you can do it there. Yeah. But that's it. We're out. And we're going to see y'all on Friday.